Hello, Sawona, how's it? Molo, Jambo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, man, I am so happy to be back in town, be back with you guys. Yeah, man, it was a, it was a, busy, a busy week of traveling for me. And uh, last weekend was quite an amazing weekend. Um, not only did you have the mighty subs preaching for you, yeah, amen, minding the gap last week, which was pretty awesome, but uh, we, were, we were in Joburg. A few of us were in Joburg. We're the Joburgers. Didn't we have a Joel in Joburg? Yeah, come on. So we went up for the, um, the campus conference, which was happening at our church in Rosebank, and we had students from everywhere, man. We had students from Mozambique, from Namibia, from Botswana. I got to see Spiwe Shange again, which was pretty awesome. And um, yeah, and, and we had an amazing campus conference. And you know, I just want to say it's a, it's a wonderful, uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's a wonderful thing to be a part of a church with so many mighty men and young men and women. I mean, just like looking at this duo that came up this morning, I'm like this power combo of Tando and Daniel, and just this congregation is just full of, you know. I'm not saying anything in that. <laughs> you know. Cut that from the record, okay? <laughs> But uh, it was so cool. Sun, our very own Sandile was leading, clearly was leading worship at the conference. And um, man, what a mighty young man, hey? Just looking at him with like a thousand students leading worship. And then on Saturday morning, we had the mighty Sponello Glamini uh, preaching at the conference. And he, he hit it out the park. I was just looking at this young guy. I mean, he preached such a powerful word at the conference. I, I hope that it's online and that you can go and search and find it. It was really one of the best sermons I've ever heard. So I'm just like, you know, it's just amazing to be a part of this movement and to see what God is, is doing everywhere and on our campuses and with our young people. Amen. So also, you know, it's not only wonderful to be a part of that, but God is doing something amazing in our city as well. Uh, last Thursday, yeah, it was last Thursday, not this one we've just had, the one before, Trish and I were invited to a, pastor's, a pastor and leader gathering um, in Mount Edgecombe. Where I think there was maybe 200 pastors there, somewhere around there. It was like this banquet. I didn't even really know what we were going into, but we were invited to be there or sent there by another team. So we, we arrived, and it was just incredible. You know, it, it, was, a, it was a meeting for prayer for repentance, reconciliation, and revival. As soon as I heard the word revival, I was like, okay, I'll go, you know? Because <laughs> we're, we're a church that's trusting for revival. We are believing for a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit, not only here on this congregation, but over the city of Durban. We believe the signs are all pointing towards that, and we are aligning as a congregation with what God is doing. So we went there, and you know what? Just in a couple minutes, I, just, I could just feel the atmosphere in the room. I was just like, no ways. These guys are on the same page. These guys are on the same page. Isn't it amazing that, you know, you know you, all you have to do to know what God is doing, just look at what the saints 
are doing. You can just see how God starts to put the same thing on people's lives and starts to move, and you're like, oh, wow, we're not, alone. We're not only, city trusting for, you know, only church in the city trusting for revival. God is moving all over the city. We met with another couple from Hillcrest recently, and they are on the same page. And all these pastors were from Phoenix and Amawati and Konubia and Umklanga and that whole north area over there. And, man, the, the night, the, the Holy Spirit showed up there that night. We, many people were on the floor. There was foot washing. I mean, there was this big Zulu man. I mean, he looked like T.D. Jakes, but they call him T.D. Fakes. But, I mean, and he was, he was washing my feet, and I was washing his feet, and there was just this repentance for all the stuff that went down in our nation, in our city last year. And, um, and it, was, it was a beautiful moment. Um, for church leaders, and there is a heart, and God, there's a call from God for us to come together as churches and to stand in the gap for our city. The, the Word of God says that if my, keep going, if my people who will and, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will, and I will heal their land, all right? If my people Okay, we're, we're a part of a people, yeah? There's a, there's a big church in the city. So um, the vision is that next Sunday, the 11th of September, the churches in the city are going to come together um, in the afternoon. I think it's at 1 o'clock in Phoenix at the sports ground there. And we're going to unite with other believers. There's going to be thousands of Christians coming out. And we're going to pray and stand in the gap for God to heal our land. We need healing, hey? We need God to heal our land. We need Him to heal our economy. We need Him to heal our neighborhoods, our families, our communities. And so I'm, I'm inviting you next Sunday, please come to that. Please, we'll have church as normal in the morning, but in the afternoon, we're going to go to that sports ground and we're going to, we're going to unite and stand in the gap and do what the people of God do, amen? And... Um, and in a prelude to that, in build up to that, this week at um, Gateway Church in Mount Edgecombe, there are going to be uh, prayer and fasting. There's going to be a prayer meeting happening every single night, 7 p.m. at Gateway Church, Monday all the way through to Friday. You're welcome to go. But on Tuesday, Every Nation Durban is leading. All right? That means we are leading worship. We're going to be preaching. We're going to be praying. It's our night. And so I want to encourage you, please schedule in your diary Tuesday, this Tuesday evening at Gateway Church in Mount Edgecombe. We are going to be uniting with other churches and we're going to be praying as a build-up to next week's Sunday. Now, typically, we have a once-a-month leaders meeting as a church. We call it our core leaders meeting. We are going to move our core leaders meeting on the first Tuesday of the month. This is the first Tuesday coming up, so we're going to move it to that and I want to ask just leaders if you could be there at 5.30 um, and so we can have a little bit of time before the, the service starts at 7 p.m. I hope you got all that. I didn't see you writing it down, but I just believe <laughs> that we're super smart. <laughs> we're going to send out WhatsApp. We'll, we'll send out emails. Amen. All right. So let's be involved in what God is doing. Be a part of the God story. Yeah. All right. So let's continue talking about the art of spirituality. Are you enjoying the series? I hope you are. 
I hope you are. I mean, I'm definitely, we've had some bombs here. You know, subs last week, we've had Travis Gale, we've had Knox bringing some powerful messages. We've been talking about thankfulness and meditation and sleep even. Can you believe it? We talk about sleep in church. Not allowed to fall asleep in this church, all right? You have to stay awake for this moment. <laughs> Afterwards, go have a nap. It's fine. <laughs> but today, I want to talk about spiritual integration as part of the series that we're talking about. By now, I'm sure you've realized that if you want to have a vibrant spirituality, if you want to have a deep, thriving, healthy, intimate connection, face-to-face connection with God, then it's going to require some effort. It's going to require you to live a little differently. It's going to require you to be intentional. Can you say intentional? Look at somebody and say, intentional. It's going to require us to put some effort in and be intentional if we want that relationship with God. You know, science tells us that there's a law called the second law of thermodynamics. Thermodynamics. And it says this, that, that everything in time, as one moves in time, everything tends towards disorder and chaos that the net entropy or the, the level of disorder within a closed system will only increase over time if there is no intervention that takes place. And if we take that law of thermodynamics that's written into the code of this universe and we apply it to our own lives, we can all agree this morning that it is completely true. Amen? That like, just like, you know, we look at our, our garden, it, unless there's some special efforts that goes into the garden, it's, it's not going to be a beautiful garden. Think about your kitchen sink for a moment. Everything tends towards disorder and chaos. Think about your own physical body. Unless there's some intervention, unless there's something taking place, what happens to our physical body? A lot of disorder. Like, what's that thing? You know, what? how did that, you know? <laughs> you know, disorder creeps in everywhere. So this is not like rocket science to us. We, we know this. This is just life. Now, I'm sure you've seen like a wheel of life like this, for example. It'll come up on AV. Now, I'm sure you've seen something like this before. And this is, this is like something that's, that's really common, that's used to help us identify the different strategic and important areas of our lives. You'll see that there is you know, personal development, friends, fun, health, family, finance, career, spiritual, it's the, those are all the, like, the major compartments of our life, which if we look at this law all right, that's in this, written into the fabric of our universe and we apply it to those areas of our life, we can see that it's totally true. Like Unless we have some special intervention in our financial area, how many of you know that disorder creeps in very quickly? Unless there's a budget, people, unless there's a regular meeting and you're sitting down and you're talking through your budget and you're looking through your expenditure and you're going through your bank records and whatever, there's this kind of like chaos that just creeps in there. Think about your friendships as well. If you neglect them, if you don't spend time on them, suddenly now, you know, you become estranged from each other. Misunderstandings creep in in your marriage, etc. Now, so this, we know this to be True, And a lot of us, what we do in our lives, if we strive to live a balanced life, where we look at this wheel of, of life, and we try and make sure that every compartment is 
is, is, is functioning, okay? That's what a balanced life looks like, is that I'm reaching, somehow in my week, I'm reaching all of those areas of my life, and I'm giving them some attention. But how many of you know that's, that's pretty hard? Yeah. I mean, we want a balanced life, but do we have anything but a balanced life? <laughs> I mean, think about your life for a moment. I mean, as I put that up there, I'm sure you can see there's some areas you need to go, oh, I need, I need to spend a bit of time on that. Why? Because life just throws us curveballs the whole time. There's family drama, there's friend dramas, there's financial drama, and then that big one over there called your career starts to eat into your health, and it eats into everything, and it's very quick that we become unbalanced. I want to share with you this morning a key that's going to help you tremendously. This wheel, as we know it, is fundamentally flawed. This is a flawed way to look at your life, and I'll tell you why is because what it does is it takes the spiritual component of your life and it puts it into a separate category. You know, I talk to so many people who, like, they, they, they're so busy with work and, and, they, and they often say, eh, I don't have time for church, I don't have time for connect, and I don't have time to read my Bible because, you know, this life is so demanding on me. And what they're really saying is this, is that I think compartmentally, and there's a box called the God box in my life, and then I have to go to the God box and do my God thing, and then I have to go to my career and do my career thing, or my family and do my family thing. And, and what it does is it takes God out of every part of my life and, it, and, and, and effectively relegates him to the sidelines of every area of my life. And so a better and more biblical way to think about your life is to take the spiritual component and place it at the center. So that it's, here's another picture, that's where your spirituality is at the core of your life, that God is in the center and that he then influences every other area in your life, that your spirituality then pervades through your finances, it pervades through your careers. And when you start to think like this, you're going to start to see the power of God, you're going to start to see the grace of God flowing into every other area of your life. It's a much better way to do life. This is what I want to share with you this morning. This is what the idea that I want you to walk out of here with, that spiritual integration, that we have to take our spirituality and apply it or integrate it into every compartment of our lives. Yeah. William Paulsell said the following. He said that, oh, it's going to come up. There is nothing that will enrich our lives more than a deeper and clearer perception of God's presence in the routine of daily living. Isn't that powerful? I want to say this to you, Every Nation Durban. There's nothing that's going to enrich your life more than having a deeper and much clearer perception of God's presence in the routine of your daily living. In other words, that God is with you wherever you go that he is in everything that you're doing. The Bible says in Acts that in him we live, move, and have our being. I mean, that's sometimes just theology, but sometimes we struggle to apply that. Today I want to share with you how do we take that theology and, and bring it into our everyday lives. So the way we're going to start this morning is we're going to, we're going to look at some theology on it because I feel like I need to convince you first that this, <laughs> that this really is actually a better way to think about your life, and then we're going to move into a bit of practical, 
and this might feel a little bit like a workshop, and hopefully at the end today we're going to take communion, and you're going to have a time just to reflect on your life and how you can have spiritual integration, how you can integrate better. Amen. Amen. Well, if you wouldn't mind, let's stand to our feet, and let's pray a prayer before we get into the Word, and maybe you can just repeat after me this morning. Father in heaven, I commit this time to you. I believe that your plans for me are good. And that everything good starts with your word. Your word brings life, healing, and direction. I treasure your word more than my daily bread. And I boldly confess that my mind is alert and my heart is receptive. And I say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Amen. You're welcome to take your seats. Let's go to John chapter 15. Scripture that we started the year off with, what we were preaching about at the conference in Johannesburg as well. Oh, I forgot to mention that from Joburg I went to Cape Town, and uh, last Sunday I was with Mark and Melissa Simpson, and they're leading a congregation in the city bowl of Cape Town, and I got to preach there last Sunday, and it was amazing. They are booming, and God is doing great things there, and they're even looking at starting another church now, and uh, it was cool because I was trusting God that my niece, who is not in church, and she's studying at UCT, would come along, and she came along, and she got plugged into a connect group last Sunday. So I thank God for that, hey? <laughs> so yeah, come on, this is how we do it. We reach, amen? So I need a counter this morning. We're the maths people. Who's a maths person? Maths buff? No one. <laughs> Rooney, you're going to count for me this morning. Okay. I want you to count. I want you, because you just look so, like, engaged, you know? Um, I need someone engaged, all right? Um, I want you to count how many times the word abide comes up in this passage. Okay, so I'm just going to read, and then you count, and then tell me how much it is. All right. Verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and, may, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. 
by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so you will be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. How many times, Rooney? Oh, you were all counting. <laughs> you got help this morning. <laughs> oh, that was cool. So, <clears throat> you know, when, when we read this passage, and I know we've read it many times before, but I want us just to dwell on the power of this word, abide. You know, some versions say stay, or remain, or live from. The TPT version, which I'm enjoying, it says, remain in life union with me. Isn't that awesome? Jesus, in the scripture, is inviting us into a life union here. There is abide, I mean, we can look at it multiple ways. It means remain, it means stay. In other words, don't just visit and leave. Stay. And what he's inviting us into here is so much more than a quiet time or a daily appointment with him. Like, I have my appointment with God, I have my daily, or for some of us, weekly appointment, you know. And he's, he's inviting us into something so much more than just an appointment with him. He's inviting us to live with him, to remain with him, to do life with him. So, in other words, this means that our spirituality should not be something that a segment in our life that we visit, but rather something that we walk with in our daily life. Like, it's not like I have to go and endure my job, and then after work I get to hang with God, or before work. No, no, no. It's like I've, somehow my spirituality has to come into my job, into my life. And every part of my life, in the time that I have with my children, in my marriage time, in my home time, cooking, eating, breakfast, in, in my daily walk, that there is this union with Christ that is an offer to us. Yeah. So I think Jesus would, if, if he was in modern times, would probably say something like this to you and I. Do not have a pit stop faith. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm sure you all know Formula One uh, all right, and Formula One racing, like what happens is these guys race these cars at insane speeds around a track just to see who's fastest. It's a boys game, all right? <laughs> I mean, it's like really, you know, yes, this is what we do, all right? And they race around the track, but then what happens is they lose fuel and their tread on their tires gets worn out and what they have to do at certain points, strategic moments, is they have to come in for a pit stop. And in a pit stop, there's literally this, they come in, they stop, and then there's this insane momentum of people replacing tires, refilling the car, fixing what's broken, and then in the minutest amount of time, they send that car out onto the road again. Men, I'm sure you've changed the tire before. It's not a speedy process. These guys can do it in three seconds, okay? It's like it's unbelievable what they can do. But anyway, so the, the whole point is sometimes we think about our spirituality like this, is that I have to go and do life, 
and I've got to be fussed, and I've got to beat everybody, and I've got to be the best I can be, and then I burn out, and I get tired, and I get like, I'm losing my traction, and then I have to quickly pull into church. <gasps> Woo! <laughs> Jesus! Refill me! <laughs> Change my tires! <laughs> Do something and make it quick, because I've got to go out again. Or we arrive in our quiet time. Woo! Lord, I've got 15 minutes. Do your magic. Do your magic. Because why? It's all about the race. It's all about the thing when actually we should be all about Him. Jesus is inviting us in a ver into a, a very different way to think about life. One where it's about the race and one where it's about Him. Live in me. Abide in me and I in you. Let my words remain in you. You remain in me. I in you. You in me. Like the Father and Him were one. Be one with me. Take me into every area of your life. I am the direction of your life. I am the source of your life. I am the grace of your life. I am the strength of your life. I am the wisdom of your life. I am the creativity of your life. I don't want to be relegated to the sidelines and set apart in just a special meeting once a week on Sundays. I want to be in all of your life. I want to breathe and live through you. We've been bought at a price. That, that scripture came up this morning. We've been bought at a price. We are not our own. And I think this is a fundamental shift that needs to take place in our spirituality. It's also, I mean, another illustration for this is do you know about free diving? That's also another silly sport. <laughs> There's a, I mean, free diving. You know, like really, free diving is you, you, you take the biggest breath you can and then swim down to see who can go deeper and come back before you don't die. You know, white people. You know? <laughs> what were they thinking? <laughs> no, who's going to do that? You know? <laughs> so, like, sometimes we can think of our spiritual lives like that. It's like, take a deep breath. <gasps> get that scripture in. Get that worship session in and go and do life and try not to die before you have to come back and have another breath, okay? Rather think of deep sea diving, where deep sea diving, the tank is with you. You're breathing the whole time. You, you have gauge with you. You know, you, you're able to go down to places and dark places and dangerous places because you're okay. You have the living power of the Holy Spirit with you much better way to think about life, amen? So <clears throat> this is, you know, not only in John chapter 15, but it's like pervasive. It's throughout the New Testament, this idea that we carry God wherever we go. In Galatians, we are exhorted to walk in the Spirit. Then we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, like in other words, do life with the Holy Spirit, a very integral part of your life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, maybe we could read this verse together. Let's go. Do you? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, let's do it. We're going to read. That means I need your voice. Project your voice. All right? The loudest person wins. It's a competition. Three, two, one. Do you not know? 
Do you not know? This is like, I mean, the language here that Paul's using is, this is like fundamental. This is like, hello. Like, and, and, and remember, he's, he's writing to an audience not only of like Gentiles, but there's quite a few Jewish people in this Corinthian church. And they would have known all their lives that if you want to visit God, you go to the temple. The temple was where God is. There was this holy of holies, and there was this outer court, and only the priest could go in. But if you wanted to get close to the presence of God, because the presence of God resided in the holy of holies, you'd have to come with offerings and sacrifices, and then you'd be able to get into the presence of God, and you could visit, and you could see, and you could hear about it, and whatever. But now, after Jesus resurrected from the dead, the Bible says that that veil between the holy of holies and the holy place was torn in two. And in other words, like God's presence is now... Out the temple. And then when we see in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit gets poured out where? Not on a building, but on the disciples. And they are then filled with the, the Spirit of God. They are now carriers of the presence of God. And they go out into the world, and the Holy Spirit gets poured out on everybody. And so it's clear the message is the, the, the modus operandi has shifted. It was a building, now it's people. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? That God dwells, dwell, that word okeio, okeio in the, in, the, in the Greek means literally this. It means to make home reside or cohabit. Do you not know that he has made his home in you? In other words, you are not a visitor of the presence of God. You're a carrier fundamental shift. You didn't come here this morning to visit God. You don't show up in your quiet time to visit God. You're a carrier of the presence of God. Jesus was having this amazing encounter with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And in that passage, she was like quizzing him on worship. And she said, you know, our father said we worship here on this mountain, but you Jews, you say we got to worship at the temple. Jesus is like, Lady, lady, listen to me. <laughs> the time is coming when you'll neither worship on this mountain nor at the temple, for the Lord is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? In spirit, his spirit in me, and in truth, in reality, in my daily life. In other words, worship is not something that I go to perform. It's all of me. It's my relationships. It's my work. It's how I live in my home. All of this is my worship unto the Lord. Very interesting and profound thing that we need to stop and like ponder for a while. Let's look at um, the, the greatest commandment. What is the greatest commandment? <clears throat> Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus said the greatest command is to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength. And what we can sometimes do is we can go, oh, okay, what does it mean to love God with my heart? Talks about my passions and my desires. Cool, I can get that right. What does it mean to love God with my soul? Okay, talking about my will and maybe my emotions. Okay, I can get that right. What does it mean to love God with my mind? Okay, my thoughts, my reason, my intellect, my imagination. Okay, cool. And what does it mean to love God with my strength? Okay, in actions. I need to love God in my actions. And we can look at each one of these and compartmentalize them, but I think the whole is really the message. 
it, the, it carries the greater meaning. In other words, don't segregate God to one area. Don't put him in just your strength or in just your thoughts or in just... It's, God wants all of you. In other words, you can't here give God holy hymns on a Sunday and then work unrighteously on a Monday. He wants the whole thing. I can't give him my heart but keep my body. I have to worship him with my body as well. So can you see by the, that there, we are called to integrate spirituality so that it becomes who we are. And every part of us is worshiping him. There's another awesome scripture. We're doing a little tour here, all right? Are you okay? Colossians 3.17. Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Ah, that's the Selah. Isn't that awesome? And bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. I don't know about you, but when I read this kind of thing, I'm looking at the word every there. Let every activity, even my driving, my sports, my, my whole thing, every activity, my cooking, whatever, my cleaning, ish. Every word that comes from my, my lips be drenched with the beauty of the Lord Jesus. This is what is before us. This is what Scripture is inviting us into, is to live drenched in the beauty of Jesus and that all of us is proclaiming him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says, Pray without ceasing. Rejoice when? Always. In everything. Give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So I want you just to see, just from that little short tour of Scripture, spirituality is not to be segregated to an area of our lives. The question I have is, is that even possible? <laughs> I mean, you know, we hear this word abide, remain, stay in life union. Like, isn't there just something, isn't that just the most difficult thing for us? Yeah? I mean, it is, hey, come on. I mean, <laughs> I wish he had just said something else, like visit me, you know, pull around once a week. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it would have just been like, yeah, got that, you know? <laughs> but this is like, you know, every activity, every word, without ceasing, God is in my life all the time. I'm not segregating him. So <clears throat> I want us to know this morning that we are not alone in our dilemma. We are, is it a bit hot in here? Can we turn those aircons on? Or is it just me? It is warm. All right, thank you. Look at that gorgeous gal. <laughs> thank you, my darling. Um, for centuries, Christians have been reading the Bible and going, okay, how can I live this? How can I do that? And for centuries, this question of spiritual integration has been something that the church and the founding fathers of our faith and monasteries and, uh, have, have wrestled with and sought to apply to life. And over the centuries, starting in the first couple centuries after Christ had resurrected, Christians started to develop what they called a rule of life. Can you look at somebody and say a rule of life? 
And what this really was, was a way for them to do life that integrated God into every part of life. So what they would do is they would look at their lifestyle and they would say, right, everything is allowed to change here. There's no area, there's nothing that's off limits here. The amount of time I sleep, how I do mealtime, how I do relationships, everything can change. How do I take this truth of Scripture and live in a way that worships God in every area of my life? And then what they would do is they would develop this rule of life, a way to do life with God, um, literally obeying Colossians 3.17. Peter Scazzaro says the following. He says, a rule of life is an intentional, intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center. Think about that wheel of life, okay? To keep God where? At the center of everything we do. And he says the starting point and foundation for, of any rule is a desire to be with God and to love him. So what Pete Scazzaro is saying in this message here is like start with the end in mind. The end is I really want to love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I want him to be with me in everything that I'm doing. Now, how can I develop a conscious, intentional plan so that he remains at the center? So for example, people who began to develop a rule of life would say things like, ask themselves questions like this, like, how do I wake up in the morning? How do you wake up in the morning? Oh, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> Turn that alarm clock off. Um, how, how do you wake up in the morning? And so with the rule of life, they, they would go like, well, maybe I'm going to wake up with a psalm every day. I'm going to read it out, and I'm going to give a prayer of gratitude for life, for family, for everything that I have, and give glory to God. Now that is the way I start my day. And it doesn't have to be fixed. It doesn't have to be the same psalm every day. It can be a different psalm, or it can be, you know, at different times when you do wake up or whatever. The, it's, it's not like, I'm not try, talking about legalism here. What I'm talking about is creating a rhythm, a, a sacred rhythm in which you do life, a way to do life. Other questions they would ask is, how do I interact with people? John Ortberg says that when he used to wake up in the morning, he used to just be the grumpiest person ever. And, you know, he would shout at his kids to get up, and then he would kick the dog, and he would go and make coffee, and, and he would clang stuff around the kitchen, and it was like, oh, everything's right, you know? And when he started thinking about a rule of life, he was like, oh, what type of environment am I creating in my home? And do the people that are closest to me know that I love them? So now, every morning, he says, a rule of life is I kiss my wife every day and bless her. Then I, I, be, I grab my kids and I hug them and I tell them that I love them. And then I go to the kitchen and I do worship there <laughs> unto God while making breakfast and coffee and everything else. So just like a reshift of now how my breakfast routine looks like, how my waking routine looks like. Let me ask you, how do you do meals with God? Breakfast, lunch, dinner. Is there a way that we could integrate God into lunchtime? How? 
And don't start thinking like super religiously of like, I don't know, like you have to like be on your knees and shandai and tongues for like 15 minutes and then eat your sandwiches. I'm not, I'm not saying that, okay? I'm thinking about how can you naturally, all right, integrate God in a way into your lunchtime? What does your work day look like if it's done with God? Take that question today and answer it. What does my work life look like if God is there with me? Is it different to any other day? Well, it should, yeah? It should be different. Think of ways that you can integrate God into your workspace. What about your recreation? What about your finances? How do you do that time with God? And surely, as you start to ponder questions like this, what you start to see is that there's things that you need to subtract from your life, there's things that you need to add from your life, and there's habits that you can start to build in your life. So, for example, I mean, just some of the rules of life I read was people would say things like this, I practice, I practice an hour of solitude, silence, and meditation each morning. So just a rule of life. This is what I do. Between five and six, I practice an hour of solitude, silence, and meditation in God's Word. That's what I do every single day. Now, if that like, sounds daunting to you and you're like, an hour? You know? <laughs> Fifteen minutes, people. It's not about trying to match a standard and like, live up to it and then like, whip yourself if you're not doing it. Okay? You're missing the whole point. In fact, if these practices are not making you more like Jesus, then stop them. Rather go take a nap and be a much better person, amen? Because that's not the point here. You know, I remember this one time I heard these guy, this missionary preaching about the 1040 window. Do you guys know the 1040 window? Oh, Lord. <laughs> Forgive them, Jesus, they don't know. <laughs> the 1040 window is like the, is the, the, the degrees latitude in the earth from 10 degrees to 40 degrees south. 10 degrees north to 40 degrees south. If you look at that belt over the planet, like if you're looking at a picture of the globe and you look at those the, in between that latitude, that's where the most unreached people in the world are. Billions, like three billion something people live in that window that, and they do not know Christ and they have no opportunity to meet Christ. It's, so it's like false religions and all of that are in that area around the world. So he's talking about the 1040 window. These people don't know Jesus. So what we're going to do is every day at 1040 a.m. and 1040 p.m., we are going to pray for the, the 1040 window. We're going to trust God to send out missionaries. We're going to trust God to speak in visions to the Muslims and the Hindus, and we're going to trust God to do my... I'm like, yes, amen. Alarm clock set, 1040 in the morning, 1040. Hey, that thing. When that alarm clock went off... Let me tell you something. It just became such a burden to me. Eh? I often found I was just not able to, and then I'd be like, oh, what if I made it at 11.40? Will that be okay? And then I don't know. And it just spun me out, man. And for, for ages, this thing was just like, it was, it was tormenting, man. Because <laughs> I wasn't making it. I wasn't doing it. And, and so, like, this is not what I'm talking about, Okay. <laughs> I'm talking about you maybe even spending some time today with God and asking him, what are some of the sacred rhythms and habits that I can introduce into my life so that you can be part of my life? Make it natural. Make it obtainable. Make it something that actually produces more of Christ in you. Like if you do that, you know you're going to be better. Like 
you're going to be more like Jesus, all right? That people are going to encounter him more when they meet with you. Could be looking at your Sabbath once a week. How do you Sabbath? How do you Sabbath? Do you Sabbath? Is it digital free? Or is it digitally distracted? What about fasting? What is your rule of life? You know, there's a couple that we know that are very dear to us. They, they fast on the first three days of the month, every month. That's their rule of life. Like when I first heard it, I was like, yep, super spiritual. <laughs> and dizzy, you know? <laughs> but um, but I, I watched them faithfully keep it not as a burden, but as a joy. And it's inspired me to go, what is my... Where does fasting come into my life? Is it a part of my everyday life? And, and will it help me be a better Christ follower? I heard another person say, I'll call my parents every week and love on them. That's a rule of life. See, a rule of life looks at your relationships and your finances. It looks at every part of your life and goes, how do I integrate God? Well, honor my parents. I'm going to phone them every week and talk to them and love on them. Another rule of life could look like my phone doesn't come into my bedroom. Amen, <laughs> Amen says my wife. She's amazing at this one. You know, I'm inspired now. My phone's not coming into my room anymore. <laughs> it's on record. It's on record. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yes. We can part every now and then. Where is my phone? Is it okay? Just checking. <laughs> um, what about serving? Serving is worship. How, how is serving integrated into your life? Where do you serve? What, in what manner are you worshiping God with your time, your gifts, your talents? Um, so, again, not rules, not resolutions, New Year's resolution. They're sacred rhythms, a way for you to construct your life so that God is integrated into every part of your life. Start where you're at. I want to encourage you also invite others into it. Husbands and wives, do this together or separately and then come together and see how you can keep each other accountable on these things. <clears throat> you know, I had a thought when I was just preparing this, and I kept seeing this picture of walls broken down. I'm like, Lord, what are you showing me here? What is this thing? I think, just now, like while we're talking, like it's coming back to me, I think it's that many of us don't have any boundaries in our life. We don't have walls. There's no, there's no no, or there's no like boundary, like this is my time here, this is my... This is how I do things. And I want to say this, like modern living is dangerous and toxic. And it constantly will barge your walls down to the point where you have no sacred rhythms in your life, where just every day happens. Every day happens. What's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen today. It could be this thing. It could be the day. Let's get to school. Let's go. You know? Let's, and I want to say to you, a, a fulfilled life. A life where Jesus said an abundant life, where I've come so that you can have life and have it in abundance, is a life with boundaries, with walls. Listen, it's not a healthy thing for your soul to live like every day not knowing what's going to happen in your life. But when you've got routines and rhythms and habits and sacred rhythms, 
what happens is a sense of fulfillment comes over you. A sense of purpose comes over you that, no, life is not dictating and telling me how to live. I am living from the inside out rather than the outside in under the demand of life. And I just sense for some of you, that's you. You're under the demand of life. You're under the whip of life. Life is telling you where to go. I want to encourage you, take your life back. Take your life back today. Make today the day. I'm going to take my life back. I'm going to live intentionally. I'm not going to just live on demand and the next thing and the next thing. At 8 o'clock every night, my laptop gets turned off. End of story. I don't know. Whatever the, whatever, what is your boundary? What is your rhythm? What is your rule of how you're going to live life in a way that pleases and honors God? Put some boundaries in place. Margaret Gunther said the following. She said, a good rule can set us free to be our true and best selves. Isn't that awesome? It is a working document. In other words, you're probably going to have to tweak it. A kind of spiritual budget, not carved in stone, but subject to regular review and revision. I love that. A spiritual budget. Think about your budget for a moment. You know all the different categories and what, how much money you want to spend, and then the month happens. And then what you do is you measure, okay, I spent X, but I intended to spend only Y. I spent this, but I intended to spend this. I saved here, I lost there. And you, you do like a recon. And this is what your rule of life is. It's like a, it's a budget, all right, that you put rules in place of like, this is where I'm, this is how I'm going to live. But then you look and reflect on the month and you see, how did it go? Was I able to keep it? Not like I have this burden of something. No, it's a budget, something that I'm aiming for, all right, so I can live with purpose. Um, Stephen Mackier says the following. He said, I've got this picture for you of a grapevine. He says, a rule of life is like a trellis for a grapevine. Now, this is, ties in so well with the passage we read in John 15. Guys, if that trellis is not there, what happens to that grapevine? Have you ever seen a grapevine without a trellis? A grapevine without a trellis is a wild vine. It grows this way and that way, and it produces wild grapes, sour grapes. It, the fruit is destroyed. It's lost. A vine needs a trellis. The branches need direction in order for them to grow on. That has to be off the ground so the fruit doesn't get wet and soggy from the ground, but that it can grow healthy. Listen, if you want to produce much fruit for Jesus, you want to be a person of love and joy and faith and hope and acceptance, and you want to be a person producing the fruit of Jesus, you need a trellis. You need a rule of life. You need something that you can direct your life onto so that your fruit remains. Amen? Amen. So think of it like that. I think that's such a great illustration. So I'm going to finish with this passage in Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read from the message. <clears throat> Ushers, if you wouldn't mind just handing out communion in this moment, and Quizzy, you're more than welcome to put that song on. Thank you. Romans chapter 12 says the following. It says, Take your everyday, ordinary life. I love that. 
everyday, ordinary. That's who we are, amen? Take that life. You're sleeping. You're eating. How do you go to bed at night? You're waking up. How do you do that? You're eating. How do you do meals? Think about meals. How are you doing them? How are you integrating God into your meals? You're going to work and walking around life, just being around, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, be intentional. Fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Maybe I just want to pause on that for a moment. Are you able in your day to recognize what God wants you to do in that meeting, in front of that spreadsheet, in the office, at home? Are you able to recognize thank you, what God wants from you? And if not, it's a sign that he's relegated. It's a sign that you've pushed him to a segment of your life and he's not integrated into your life. The Christian life, the best life, the most powerful life is one where you recognize the will of God in every moment of life. Where you're like, Lord, what are you saying here? Lord, what are you doing here? Lord, what do you want from me here? Just like Holy Spirit lead. This is what walking in the Spirit means. This is what living, abiding means. It's like God in me, me and God, God through me, God to this world. It's the best, most exciting. It's the most powerful. It's the most joyous. It's the most faithful. It's the most rested life that we can possibly have. Readily recognize what he wants you and quickly respond to you. So respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. This is what he's doing in your life. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermon. Be blessed.